0: Do you remember uh, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood? you remember the sweater, the tennis shoes, the warm, friendly smile? He was the nicest guy on planet Earth, right? Well, he wasn't always that way. When Fred Rogers was a young man, he went to seminary to learn how to preach. So here he was in graduate school, taking these graduate courses, getting all this academic training, and it kind of went to his head. He became arrogant, a know-it-all began to act like a Pharisee until one day God humbled him. One Sunday morning, Fred and his wife went to visit this little country church, and the preacher that day was not very good. So being a seminary student, Fred Rogers sat there and just kind of began to critique him mentally, just marking off every mistake this guy made, and he made a bunch of them that morning. Fred said, I I sat there and I thought to myself, what an awful sermon. Why, if my preaching professor were here today and heard this guy speak, he'd give him an F. How did this guy wind up in the pulpit I mean obviously he's in the wrong profession so when the sermon finally came to an end uh, Fred leaned over to his wife ready to make a cynical remark when all of a sudden he stopped himself because he noticed the tears running down her face and it was obvious to him that that message had made an impact on her life not made an impact on him so before he could say anything to her she leaned over and whispered to him I needed to hear Exactly what he said today. Fred Rogers said that was a life changing moment for him. Said that day I walked out of the church building with nothing because I spent the whole service just picking everything apart and passing judgment on others. And yet my wife walked out of the building that day with this enormous blessing. And why? Because I was judging. She was needing. And the Holy Spirit responded to the need, not to the judgment. Listen, I I think I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm pretty fair and understanding with other people. But then I read a scripture like this, the scripture that we're going to examine today, Matthew chapter seven. And when I read this, I begin to realize what a Pharisee I can be. I'm so quick to write others off, never give them the benefit of the doubt. I want to take all their sins and put it under a microscope so I can begin to magnify and exaggerate every single mistake they make. And yet when I do something wrong, I want to be treated differently. I want people to be kind and gentle and understanding. Hey, I was not myself today. This is not typical for me. If you only knew what I've been going through recently, you would understand. A little patience, please. I who have no patience for others, but I want all the mercy in the world for myself. What a hypocrite I can be. I'm so quick to spot the speck in everybody else's eye, and I fail to see the log in my own eye. So I more than ever, I need to stand before this mirror, the mirror of God's word and see the truth about myself. And one of the most valuable lessons that I can learn from this particular teaching of Jesus is this, if I'm going to serve God well, and I'm going to put myself in a place where I can really be of help to other people, then I need to learn how to make good judgments. Now, first, that might sound kind of surprising to you. And some of you right now might be thinking, yourself, hey, David, you got it all wrong. Because the very first words that Jesus says when he here in Matthew, chapter seven is judge not. So isn't Jesus telling us it's wrong for us to ever criticize other people? It's wrong for us to disapprove of anything they do. I mean, isn't that what Jesus is teaching here? Well, Let's stop and think about that. Let's let's use our common sense and kind of think this through. Is it wrong for me to have an opinion and to to make an assessment from time to time when I'm speaking with my friends? You know, I thought that movie was a waste of time. Save your money. Don't go. Or, oh, that apple tastes bad. Let's just throw that bag away. Is it wrong to be a judge in a 4-H fair and say, this cake tastes better than that cake? Is it wrong for an employer to hold his employees accountable and every year at the end of the year to give them a job review? Because when he does that, he's making a judgment How seriously do we take these words of Jesus? Judge not. How seriously do we apply them to our lives? I mean, does that mean it's wrong for a parent to correct a child when they see them doing something that's bad for themselves or bad for other people? Is it wrong for a teacher to give tests and grade papers? And all the students in the room are going, yes. (laughs) But think about it. Is it really wrong for the teacher to give tests and grade papers and provide an evaluation at the parent-teacher conference so mom and dad can see how their little one is doing? Hey, doing well in this area, but in this area they're kind of struggling. They need a little help. Or think about this. How could a principal or a coach or even a police officer do their job in an effective way if they're never allowed to make a judgment about the behavior of other people? When Jesus said, judge not, is he really telling us that we should never criticize other people? We should just accept anything and everything they do? Is Jesus really telling us just to turn a blind eye and pretend like everything's okay when many times we know it's not? Of course not. Common sense tells you that's not what Jesus is teaching here. But more important, Scripture shows us that's not what he's teaching haven't you found it intriguing that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 where the Apostle Paul says in the next life, we will judge angels. Get that, we will judge angels. What does that mean? I have no clue. <laughs> I mean, I have no clue what that entails and what that involves, but I do know this. Angels are big and powerful. And yet when I get to heaven, God's going to give me some kind of rank and authority where I'm now over them and I'm going to be expected of God to make judgments about them and the work that they're doing. In other words, in that next life, I have an assignment waiting for me that is far more important and far more advanced than any responsibility I've ever had to handle here in this life. Well, think about this. If this life is a preparation for the next, and it is, then if in the next life God's going to be using me to judge angels, don't you think here in this life he's going to be preparing me for that by training me even now how to make good judgments absolutely or think about the words of Jesus himself here in Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 Jesus said judge not but then I turn over to John chapter 7 and verse 24 and I hear the same Jesus saying do not judge by appearances but judge I expect you to make judgments but when you judge I want you to judge with right judgment See, John chapter 7 is kind of like a commentary on Matthew chapter 7. It kind of shows light. lot. Here's, here's what Jesus is really talking about. But even if you didn't look at John chapter 7, even if you just took the time to carefully work your way through this entire chapter, Matthew chapter 7, you know what you'd notice? All the way through this chapter, Jesus is teaching us how to make good judgments. Let me give you a couple examples. Verse 15, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, watch out for the false prophets. Well, how can you tell which of the prophets are good and which ones are bad? I mean, the false prophets, they don't have a sign hanging around their neck saying, hey, I'm a false prophet. You shouldn't listen to me. (laughs) They don't do that. Nor do they stand up in church one Sunday morning and say, hey, by the way, uh, tonight at 730, I'm going to be leading a Bible study back here in room 301 where I'm going to introduce you to all kinds of false doctrines that are guaranteed to lead you astray from the Lord. I hope you come and hear me talk. They don't do that. The Bible says false prophets are like wolves. But they're wolves that come to us dressed like sheep, meaning at first it's kind of hard to pick them out because when you first meet them, they look good. They sound good. They seem to have the hand of God resting upon their ministry, just blessing their lives. They're wealthy. They're successful. They got all kinds of people following. Hey, how could he not be a prophet of God? That's why Jesus says, watch out. Meaning use this brain, use this critical faculty that God put inside your head. Be wise, be discerning, don't be gullible. And then Jesus goes ahead there in Matthew chapter seven to illustrate what he's talking about. He says, think about in terms of trees. There are good trees and bad trees. How do you tell the difference between the two? Look at the fruit they produce. Jesus says, do the same thing with the prophets. What is he telling us? Learn to make a judgment, a good judgment. Don't be led astray by their lies. Or consider what Jesus teaches us here in verses 13 and 14 of Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says when it comes down to it, there are really only two ways to go in this life. One way is the gate is wide, it's easy to enter, the the road is broad, it's easy to walk, it's very popular, all kinds of people heading this way, it's the way of the crowd, and yet it's the way that leads to destruction. So enter the narrow gate and walk the narrow way because it's the only way that really leads to life. Now, do you see what Jesus is doing? He's asking us to make an evaluation. Can you see what I'm talking about? Do you see the difference here? These two roads are not the same. And can you see why this is the wrong way to go? And can you see why this is the right way to go? Listen, you've got a choice to make. Exercise good judgment. So at the very beginning of the chapter, when Jesus says, judge not, he's not telling us never make any kind of judgment at all. No, what Jesus is doing, he's warning us, don't make the wrong kind of judgment. So that's why this morning, I want us to just kind of focus on one verse, verse 12, because in this verse, Jesus just sums up everything he's talking about, especially in regards to this topic. Jesus says, you want to learn how to make a good kind of judgments where with your life, you can really honor God and you can really put yourself in a place where you're going to be a help to the people around you. Then you've got to learn to make those judgments with the right kind of heart, with the right kind of attitude. Notice what he says, Matthew chapter 7. And verse 12, Jesus says in everything, in every situation of life, here's how you should approach that situation. Here's how you should approach the people involved in that situation. Approach them with this attitude. Do to others what you would have them do for you. And Jesus says, in fact, that that, that principle just kind of sums up the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. You know, in another place, Jesus said, if you want to take the whole of the Old Testament and, and sum up what it's really all about, it's about two things. All the Old Testament is teaching us how to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And teaching us how to love our neighbors as ourselves. Every one of the commands, every one of those regulations, from the smallest to the greatest, they're all just specific ways of showing us how you express your love for God and how you show your love to other people. Well, here in this verse, he says, let me take that a step further. What does it really mean to love your neighbors yourself? Here's another way to say it. Do for them as you would have them do for you. And Jesus says you really need to keep that principle in mind, and especially in regards to this topic that I'm talking about here, this topic of learning how to make judgments, good judgments. See, most of the time when we criticize other people, we do it for our benefit, not for theirs. Hey, I just need to get something off my chest. I don't want to keep it all bottled up inside. I, I, I just need to air things out. and We're being very selfish when we do that. Or many times when we criticize other people, we want to set the record straight. We want to make sure other people hear our point of view, get our side of the story. We want to make sure we make ourselves look good to others. Or many times when we criticize other people, we want to make sure we make other people pay for the pain and trouble that you caused me. I want you to see your issues, not because it's going to be helpful to you. I want you to see, see your issues because you are driving me crazy. I mean, many times when we make judgments about other people, we're doing it to help ourselves. Not to help them and Jesus says that's wrong. Shea Serrano is a writer. He tells about one day he's coming home and the car started to act funny. He said I pulled off on the exit ramp and and the car began to sputter and then it just died. He said I tried to start it up again. It wouldn't start so I pushed it off to the side of the road and called a tow truck. Had him take it back to my driveway. He said I got back home, opened up the hood. I pulled on a few wires but he said I had no clue what I was looking at. I don't know the first thing about fixing a car. So he said, I called my father. My dad's always been this great mechanic. So he said, my father listened as I tried to explain to him what had happened that day. And finally he said, listen, son, how about tomorrow? I just come up to your place. After work, I'll just drive up to your place and we'll see what we can do. Shea says, you need to appreciate my father lives 215 miles away. And every day, 10 hours a day, he makes a living by driving a bus, a city bus. So the next day, he spends 10 hours driving that bus around, and then he parks the bus at the bus depot, hops in his car, and drives another three and a half hours just so he can come to my place and help me. Said he pulled in the driveway that day, hopped out, first thing he did, gave me a great big hug, and said, okay, son, let's take a look at the car. Let's see what we can do. Hop in the car and pop the hood. So he said, I hop in the car, pop the hood, and dad raised the hood up and pulled a wrench out of the toolbox and began to check and adjust a few things. All right, give it a start. Nothing happened. Then he said, my dad immediately put the hood down, put the wrench back in the toolbox and he started to head back towards his car. And Shay said, I gave him this funny look. He said, did you bring the wrong tools? No, everything's fine, son. We're done here, done, done, what do you mean we're done? What's wrong with the car? And he said, my father said in a very calm voice, you're out of gas, son. (laughs) Now he said, here's the most remarkable, I mean, Shay said when he said that I felt this high, he drove 215 miles just to tell me I'm out of gas. But he said, here's the most remarkable part of the story. My father never said another word about it. Never made any expression with his face. He was mad, upset, disappointed. Man, what kind of an idiot do I have for a son that he can't even figure out when his car's out of gas? Never implied that at all. So he just very calmly walked back, put his toolbox in the trunk of the car, said, come on, son, let's go get some gas. Drove down to the gas station, filled up the gas can, brought it back, put the gas in my car. Then he came inside my house to have supper with my, with my boys. We sat there at the table, we laughed, we talked, not once, not once did he mention what had happened out there in the driveway. Finished supper, gave all the boys a hug, and said, I I need to get back home, and he drove another 215 miles, 430 miles, round trip, after spending 10 hours that day driving a bus, and he never mentioned it. In fact, Shay says it's now 10 years later, and not once in those 10 years has he ever brought up that embarrassing, I mean, this is one of the most embarrassing incidents of my entire life. Not once has he met, not once has he teased me about it, not once has he belittled me. I mean, that day he could have shamed me, he could have humbled me. What's with you? Can't you tell when your car's out of gas? But instead of judging me, he chose to help me. Listen, every day maybe you're dealing with logs, big, heavy issues, really challenging issues. And maybe this friend of yours is wrestling with this one tiny speck, something really, really little and minor. I mean, it seems so simple to you, but... Maybe it's not so simple for them. So when they come to you and ask for help, Jesus says, don't be condemning. Hey, haven't you ever learned how to handle something like that? No, don't be condemning. Just help. Because know this, one day the shoe's going to be on the other foot. One day you're going to find yourself tangling with something that's really, really hard for you. But it's so easy and simple for others and you're going to need their help. And when they give that help, you want them to be kind and gentle and under, not mocking and ridiculing haven't you ever learned how to do this what's with you no you want their grace and mercy not their ridicule that's why Jesus says do to others as you would have them do for you because when you let that principle guide everything you do in every situation of life you're going to live a life that really honors God and you're going to put yourself in a place where you can really be of help to others Let's pray.